Bibles with you this morning will be in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53. And uh, whenever you get to Isaiah 53, if you can, if you would please stand, uh, pay reverence for the reading of the Word of God. Isaiah uh, chapter 53. Starting with verse 1. It says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. For he hath no form, nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come together here this morning. We pray uh, that we would obey you in all things. Lord, I pray that you'll watch over us and help us. Uh, Lord, Father, as we prepare uh, for this Christmas season, Lord, I pray that we'll draw closer to you before it's everlasting too late. Uh, I pray, Lord, that everyone that's here, assembled here together, uh, knows you. I pray that nobody leaves this morning without being saved, without knowing uh, the Savior by his name, by his spirit. Lord, I pray and that your spirit will flow from breast to breast, and help us, Lord Father, to draw close to you before it's everlasting too late. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. You can be uh, seated this morning. Now in the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 53, uh, uh, this is by far one of the most well-known scriptures of the prophecy of Jesus and what Jesus will go through. Isaiah uh, has a pretty good bit of prophecy in it. Uh, now the whole Old Testament has a pretty good bit of prophecy in it of uh, who Jesus is and, and what He's going to do and uh, who He's going to be. But uh, by far out of any piece of Scripture, uh, uh, most people, if they understand the prophecy of Jesus, uh, uh, can usually know about Isaiah 53 and what it says. Now, it starts off Isaiah chapter 53 saying this. It says, uh, Who hath believed our report? Uh, in so many ways, uh, when Isaiah is writing this, he says, Who can believe it? Uh, who can understand? Uh, uh, who can really grasp uh, what I'm about to write? Uh, who can really uh, uh, understand and contemplate and uh, really think about who is coming uh, uh, based upon what I'm going to write? And, and most of us know uh, who can believe our report, uh, uh, who believed our report. Uh, uh, when people read this, even in the Pharisees' time, the Sadducees and the scribes and all these different people, we know the struggles uh, that Jesus went through uh, with men that we're supposed to know the Word, know the prophecies, know who to look for, but yet we know that they looked for the wrong person. We know that they knew Jesus was wrong. We, we knew that they just knew within themselves that everything that He was doing was of Satan, was backward. And we see here in Scripture and the prophecy of Jesus Christ in 53, chapter 53 of Isaiah, who can believe it? Now it says to, to who? 
to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. Now the ones that should have been expecting him to come, the ones that were really given that job of looking for him, they were not revealed to who he was. Do y'all realize that this morning? Of uh, The people that were supposed to know he was coming didn't know he was there. Now, I don't know how many of you understand the, the sadness of what happened when Jesus came and all these religious people, uh, uh, I call them religious people because that's what they were. I, I pray to God that nobody here this morning is a religious nut, <laughs> that all you do is, 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 is uh, it's good to study the Word, but all you do is try to judge and, and cast judgment and, and have opinions and, and preach theology every Sunday. Uh, uh, Lord, help if I preach theology every Sunday. Uh, there probably wouldn't be a soul saved any Sunday that I preach that. But we have to know who Jesus really is. And we have to know that he came. Now, the Pharisees and the scribes, all the elders, uh, the people within the temple, they had the law. They had the prophecies. They could even read it where most people couldn't. It was their job to tell the people uh, that he was coming. It was a job for them to tell them uh, how he would be, uh, what to expect. But what happened was, is the people People, the Pharisees and the scribes and all these people formed their own opinion. They had an opinion of who Jesus should be. This is we preached last Sunday of the power of the roaring lion of an almighty king, the lion of the tribe of Judah. So many times we try to think that he's big and bad and can swipe and, and take away anything of our problems. And that's the thought process that we have. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees say, all oh, these are, are wonderful uh, religious nut jobs, these religious folk. Hey, they hung our Savior, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Uh, if you don't understand how nuts they were, hey, they, they were supposed to do it, uh, uh, but my goodness, if they knew what they were doing and who they were truly crucifying, would they have done it? <laughs> oh, Lord, help them. No, they wouldn't have done it. But they were supposed to realize who to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. They didn't understand who he would be. It was so sad that it was revealed to simple men. Most, uh, over about half of them were fishermen. Most of them were not very well off. Most of them uh, uh, forsook all and followed him. And it wasn't Pharisee. It wasn't people that was uh, uh, very well skilled. It wasn't people that were educated. It wasn't people that could probably read and write very well. A lot of them, but they were the ones that seen who he was. Sometimes in the church house, it takes us uh, getting off the theology wagon. Uh, sometimes it takes us getting out of the uh, Bible helps and studies. It takes uh, uh, getting out of going to schools. It takes us actually thinking of who Jesus is in the simplistic state that it says He is. In Isaiah 53, it gives a very simplistic idea of who He is, but it's also hard to understand. You get to verse 2, and it says, For He shall grow up before Him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. I've already said the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, all those people didn't know who to look for even though they should. But it even says here that it shall be a root out of dry ground. Now to help you understand a root coming out of dry ground is not something that you expect. You do not expect a root to come out of dry ground. You expect nothing. 
and to come out of dry ground. So, so, so many ways in the book of Isaiah chapter 53, he says that nobody will be able to believe this. Uh, the people that should be able to see it uh, uh, probably will not. Uh, it'll be revealed to certain people and it will be very unexpected. And that's who Jesus was. I'm glad that when Jesus went on the scene, uh, He didn't follow the religious cult. Uh, he, he didn't have to wear a robe everywhere that He went. Uh, he didn't have to ceremonially wash His hands uh, when He plucked wheat out of the field and eat it. Uh, he didn't have to uh, go and do certain things certain days and, and pray certain things out in public. Uh, he had to go into His closet and pray. He had to go into the Garden of Gethsemane uh, by Himself and pray. He had to go up on a mountainside and pray and be tempted by the devil. I'm glad today that when Jesus came, he grew up as a root out of dry ground. He was different than anything around him. And I want to tell you, church today, if you want to be religious like, you need to be different than anything else you see out in the world. We don't have to drop big crowds. We don't have to feed people hot dogs. And we ain't got to put out bouncy houses. And Hey, I've done all those things and there ain't nothing wrong with them. But we don't have to do those things that the world does. Hey, I can go to the baseball game and get a hot dog all day long. I can go down the road and probably find a bouncy place that has bouncy houses and play around in them. Hey, those are wonderful things. But I want you to know something. God's house is not to be made a mockery. God's house is designed for us to come and worship Him. Let's not look like the world and let's look like God. Let's focus on looking like Jesus. Maybe that means bringing somebody a hot dog or setting a bouncy house. I ain't, I ain't preaching against that this morning. What I want us to think about is you have to be different than the world because Jesus was different than the world. Our Sunday school lesson this morning was on how much the world hates us. How much the world hates Christians, hates the Jews, hates God's people. If there's any time that we can realize that the world hates us, we don't have to look very far to see that there are many organizations that go completely against what we teach. They want us gone. They want our rights suppressed. They want your mouth shut. They don't want you teaching Christ. They don't want you proclaiming Christ. They don't want to see Christ's name on a park bench. They don't want to hear it in a schoolhouse. They don't want hear it anywhere. He's going to come out in a least expected place. The next part of that verse says, He hath no form nor comeliness. And when, he shall, when we shall see Him, there is no beauty that we should desire Him. Now, I want you to realize that when the disciples were called by Jesus to come and follow Him, they didn't look at Him and say, man, this is a Tom Cruise. <laughs> They didn't look at him, and I, I, I know Tom Cruise wasn't there. But he didn't look at him and say, oh my goodness, this is a good-looking guy. He's powerful. He's got nice clothes on. He's got oh, those pretty hair. Uh, he, he's, he's got this smile that'll just bring people in. It says in Isaiah that nobody will desire him because of his looks. Nobody will desire him because of how he dresses. Nobody will desire him for these things. He was designed to come and bring people to him through the Spirit of God. No other way. His drawing was something that was heartfelt, not mind felt that we think and we think something works. Uh, uh, so many times we see people that, that get jobs and they have the nicest car, they have the nicest homes, uh, and we yearn to be like them in this world. We yearn to have more money, more power. We yearn for certain things. Uh, we yearn to be their best friend and, and be invited to swim over at their house or, or what have you. But Jesus didn't have any of those things going on. 
He didn't look that way. didn't smell that way. There was nothing about Christ that when you looked at him, said, I want to be his best friend. Didn't have that. Now I know that as soon as you see me, you say, I want to be his best friend. And I'm just kidding. But that's, that's not what Jesus had. Jesus didn't have that drawing ability just because of how he looked. Now the Jews were expecting somebody possibly tall, like old Saul was the first king. I'll I imagine the Pharisees said, we need somebody big. Strong, powerful. We need somebody with strong jawlines and, and a pronounced chin. We, we need somebody that looks like this and does this and, and is married and has children and, and all these different things. So that way when he dies, his king, his, 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 his sons can take over the kingship. They expected somebody that was set on a throne and rule and defeat the Roman military. That's what they wanted. But I'm glad in Isaiah it tells us that you ain't going to get what you're looking for. I have not got a lot of times what I'm looking for from Jesus. I usually get something better that was completely unexpected. Do you imagine when the Pharisees, boy, I, you know, we, we have some of them that you can see some things happen, but those Pharisees, a lot of them, and we know a lot of the Sadducees actually accepted Jesus' death after the fact, but a lot of them, I imagine that when they heard that stone was rolled away, they said, now I get it. Now the light bulb goes on. Now they finally realize that yes, we get who He is now. It gets to verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men. Now think about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is a prophecy and this is 100% fulfilled, I believe. 100%. He is despised and rejected. It says He is a man of sorrows. It says He is acquainted with grief. And we hid it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Now, I'll try to preach that to you in Zach Stone English to help you understand. This man came, he died, he was persecuted, he had no real friends. All 12 of those men deserted him before he went to the cross, and we esteemed him not. Hey, Zach Stone version says, we didn't care. That's what it means. We didn't give a hoot. He came, he died, he was persecuted, he was a man of sorrows, he was a man that he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he started to, to cry blood. He went through horrible things before he went to the cross. He died on the cross and we didn't care. We wanted him crucified. If that doesn't help you realize, we wanted him to die. If you would have been in the crowd, you would have wanted him dead too. You're just as guilty as the people that put the nails in his hands. You are just as guilty as the people that put the nails in his feet. You are just as guilty as the people that wrapped him up and even presumed him to be dead. You are guilty. It will not be pretty and we did not care. In verse 4, it says, Surely He hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. Boy, we thought because of what He went through, because of the persecutions that He went through, now how many times do we look around and we see people going through difficult situations and we say, Oh, 
That's because of so-and-so that they did. Uh, oh, he's getting punished uh, uh, because of how he spoke to me that time. He, he's finally paying the piper now. He's, he's finally paying uh, what he deserves. They looked at Jesus, and uh, amen, if he was there, you would have looked at him the same way. You would have said, he's getting what he deserves. You would have seen him beat with a whip. You would have seen the hairs of his face plucked out. You would have seen him stripped down naked and his clothes auctioned off to the highest bidder. You would not have cared. And guess what else you wouldn't have done? You would not have cared and you would have thought something was wrong with him. He asked for it. That's the church today. To help you realize something is, it wasn't just a group of people that hung him on the cross. It was us. It was us. We put him there. I'm glad that we put him there in so many ways because it saved my soul. He died so that I may be saved. But a perfect man that did nothing wrong died and was prophesied about hundreds of years before it happened. In verse 5, it says this, The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes... Oh, boy. With His stripes we are healed. A lot of us can't understand that. Unless you've been healed, unless you've been saved, unless you've been cleansed, you don't really understand verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised, my goodness, for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes, praise the Lord, it ends with we are healed. The prophecy is that He's going to come. We're not going to believe it. He's going to come up unexpectedly. He's not going to be pretty. He's going to be beat within an inch of His life. He's going to be put on a cross. He's going to die. You are guilty. I'm glad that those stripes healed me. He didn't heal no kind of sickness that I got. He didn't heal any kind of disease for me. He didn't heal a, a breathing or anything like that or, or brain problems. Uh, he healed the sin problem within me. I, You know, before I got saved, I was going to go to hell when I died. Y'all realize that? Before you were saved, and if you're not saved, you're going to go to hell when you die. I'm sorry. I believe that you may even be allowed to get to the pearly gates, so you may even see glory from a distance. You may see the light of Jesus Christ within that place lighting it up, and you're going to be told, Depart from me, you that work iniquity, for I did not know you. We're going to get there one day, and I'm glad that His stripes healed me. That night, you know, my opinion is it was Thursday night. It don't really matter. He was caught up in the Garden of Gethsemane. He started getting beat by the time he was dragged from one temple to the next trying for somebody to judge him, uh, people washing their hands of him, turning away from him, saying, I don't even want to have a part of this. Pop, uh, crucify him if you want to. They did not care about our Jesus. Now, we've all turned away in verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We have all turned our back on Jesus. Y'all hear me, church? I done said you're guilty. I done said you put Him on a cross. And you have all turned your back on Him at some point. 
Before you were saved, I guarantee you probably told him no at some point. Even after you saved, you haven't prayed and asked his deliverance to have his guidance. The Bible, we have prophecy here that is 100% fulfilled and the Bible is full of prophecies. Did you know that the Bible has over 300 prophecies pertaining to Jesus Christ? And he fulfilled every one of them. 300. Now just to help you understand what that means, when Jesus Christ fulfilled eight, eight prophecies. Now he, he fulfilled 300. But the probability of a man coming and living in this world and fulfilling eight, only eight of them, would be equivalent to covering the state of Texas, the whole state of Texas, in silver dollars, two foot deep. And you going out there and you picking out the one silver dollar that's got a little mark on it and you being right the first time. That's what Jesus did. He had a, a prophecy of 300. We can't even do the math hardly to figure that. I can't explain what that is. But to fulfill eight was something that was almost impossible. I'm glad that it was impossible for us. It's completely possible for Jesus. He was born in Bethlehem. He was preceded by John the Baptist. He entered Jerusalem on a donkey. He was portrayed by a man for 30 pieces of silver. He was silent before his accusers. He died by the Romans in a way that is called cursed. And his hands and his feet were pierced. Very easy things all prophesied. And that's just, just the tip of the iceberg of all the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Now I'm glad that all these prophecies were fulfilled and the Jews didn't understand it. These people that knew the Word. And it's sad so many times that it seems like the people that know the Word the best are the furthest away from God. They are. I've been in church long enough to tell you. I've seen it. I've seen people that know the Word uh, from the front to the back, but they seem so far away from really understanding who Jesus is. They're understanding that He died for me. They're understanding that His blood that was shed is what saved a sinner like me. And me having faith in Him is what saved me. It's so sad that we have all these philosophers, all these Bible studies, all these helps, praise Lord, all these pastors that have it so confused of what it takes. And it's so simple. This, Isaiah 53, and I won't read the rest of it. You can when you get time. It's all prophecy. Every bit of it is about our Jesus Christ. Every bit of it is about one thing about our Messiah. He's going to suffer. He's going to suffer. Now, I'll tell you right now, i got a little boy back there. And I don't care which one of you comes to me and says, if you'll kill your son, I can live. I ain't going to do it. You're nuts. I would never lay down my son's life for none of you. Now, I may love you to death, but I love that boy. He's mine. He's mine, okay? God sent his. God sent his that he was going to die. It was prophesied. They knew it very, from the very beginning of the foundation of the world when the earth was formed, when man, when man was breathed into him the breath of life, God knew he would have to kill his own. God knew he would have to send one to suffer and die. And when it was all started, 
That's the kind of love that our God has. He was put on a cross and He was crucified. You know the beautiful thing about the very first thing that Jesus said when He was put on that cross? He said about seven different phrases recorded across the four different Gospels. But He said one thing first. He says, forgive them. For they don't know what they do. That was on His mind the whole time. Being beat for a, probably a whole day before He got to the cross. Well, within an inch of His life, He should have died before He ever got there. When He was put on that cross and He was nailed to it, I can't understand the pain. I can't understand the rid- I can't understand being naked and exposed and your clothes being auctioned off and having to die before these people. Those things happened. He said, Father, forgive them. He only cared for our well-being. Jesus Christ was born, lived that life, and it was prophesied that He would die because He loves you. And that's it. He did something that no other man could do. So many times we've been He's shown a Scripture in being passionate. He's being loving. He's being caring. He healed all these ailments. He cried. He rose people from the dead. All those things He did because He cared. All those things He did because He was looking out for you. All these things that I preached to you this morning is so that you could accept Jesus. A simple thing as having faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the only payment He asked back. Now He gave His life willingly. He peacefully died so we could live. In John chapter 3, verse 30, it says, He must increase, but I must decrease. He has to be lifted up. We have to lower ourselves down. Somebody that came and laid down their life, become a servant, so many times He did amazing, amazing healings, amazing uh, things that people saw. He gave sight to the blind man and He would turn around and He would say something like, well, I'm just a servant. We don't understand that. We have people today that try to pretend that they can heal people and fly around the church hitting people with coats. They want all the glory. They want to be on TV. Uh, They want all this nonsense. When Jesus came and did it, He came to be a servant. He came to show love. Who is Jesus? Matthew 16, 15, it says, He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? He asked the disciples, Who do you say that I am? Now we know there's only one person that really answered them the right way. But I'm asking you, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to this church? Jesus should be everything to us. Our lives, our goals, our strengths, our prayer lives, uh, the only reason that we eat, the only reason we get up, the only reason we have a family is to train people to know Jesus. The only reason that we assemble here this morning is because I love Jesus. Who is Jesus to us? He asked that disciples, who was He? And I'm glad what I'm asking Him about. He says, thou art the Christ. He told them all of them would leave Him. All of them would forsake Him. I'm glad that if you really want to know who Jesus is with Isaiah chapter 53, who Jesus is is the one that was prophesied about. 
600 years before he ever got here. 700 years before he got here. Multiple times, 300 times if I want to be exact. Over 300. He was prophesied. As they get a verse of some song ready, I want you to think about who Jesus is to you. Who is Jesus to this church? Who is Jesus in your life? Now if you're lost and you don't know Jesus, I want you to know something. He went upon that cross. He was prophesied to be beaten and those stripes that would heal us are there to heal you too. I'm, not, I'm glad it wasn't really just His death that really healed me. It was the beatings. It was the ridicule. It was being spat upon. It was the hatred that people had for Him is what saved me. If you don't understand that today, I'm glad we got an altar that you can come and pray. I'm glad that you've got people in this church that can support you in prayer. He fulfilled an impossible number of prophecy. Impossible. To become what seemed like an impossible Savior. Something that nobody understood. I tell you today, church, I've been saved for 17 years. I still don't understand. I don't. I don't understand how He washed me and made me whole. You say, Zach, it's right there in that Bible. I'm telling you. I felt it. I feel it. I've studied enough and looked at it. I don't get it. If you can explain it to me, see me after church, I'd love for you to explain how that Holy Spirit come down and saved me. I don't get it. I, I don't understand a peace missing from me that happened in the Garden of Eden when God withdrew His Spirit from man and cast Him out of the Garden of Eden. I don't understand that. I do understand the beatings. I do understand persecution. I do understand having hairs plucked from my face. It hurts. I do understand being uh, somebody being within an inch of death and I understand somebody dying. If you want to know who Jesus is today, He's the one that came and was told about. He's the one that came to save a sinner like you. He is the Jesus of the prophecy of Isaiah 53. As we stand.